Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. If, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, there you can grab that. And if you're not for certain where uh, the book of Daniel is, in that particular Bible out of the back of the pew, it is on page 876. But Daniel chapter 3, and, and last week we left off at verse 18. And you know this is one of the most powerful statements, to me at least, in the Bible itself, what we left off with. And that's kind of where we were, you know, with Caitlin's song, that even if song, you know, even if you don't, my hope and my faith and my trust and everything is in you alone. And that song was inspired by this passage of scripture in Daniel 3.18, where it says, this is uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're in the presence of the king and he's threatening them with death uh, if they don't bow down to worship the idol. And, and, you know, they basically make this statement that, you know, even if God doesn't save us, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Um, you know, I, I think that's just such an amazing thing because they've placed their hope in God that he's going to deliver them from this fiery furnace. But then he says, listen, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to compromise what we believe. We're not going to change who we are. Uh, to bow down and worship you. And that's kind of where we're starting off this week. Um, we're picking up with verse 19. And I'm not going to read the whole passage up front because we're kind of going to go through this verse by verse as we go through the end of the chapter. But verse 19 begins by saying that Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And notice that in verse 19 here it says, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Notice that, that his attitude toward them changed because in the passage that we covered last week, it said that he was furious with them to begin with, but then he brought them in, gave them a chance to kind of do it privately. You know, instead of making a public showing of their worship, he gave them an opportunity to do it privately. But his attitude towards them changed in this passage. And then it says, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, to me, this really doesn't make sense, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll kind of go with the point that I'm getting to here, but think about it. He's absolutely furious, and his attitude towards them changed, and then he orders that the heat, they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated, and that doesn't make sense to me because if you think about it, if you really want to torture someone, wouldn't you want the fire just a little bit lower? than normal? I mean, if you was really, really mad and you really wanted these people to pay the price for it and you really wanted them to suffer, to me it would make sense if you turned down the heat just a little bit. But it says that he gets so furious, he becomes so enraged that he kind of loses himself here. He loses control of himself. And I know that this isn't the theme of the text, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but isn't it interesting? I think that we can see something even in our own lives here. Nebuchadnezzar becomes so furious that he loses control of himself, and he does things that make no sense. 
Have there ever been times in your life where you get so angry, you get so frustrated that you make decisions and you do things that just absolutely make no sense whatsoever? I think that we, should, we can learn a lesson here that, guys, it's not good for us to get to this place of being furious and giving in to anger so quickly and, and so fervently and so passionately because when we do this, we lose control of who we are. We lose control of, of sound thinking and we wind up making bad decisions. And his bad decision doesn't just stop there. In verse 20, it says this, So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown in to the blazing furnace. I'm sorry, that was 21. Let me back up. Verse 20, And then he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up and throw them into the blazing furnace. Now, as far as we know, this furnace was most likely probably a pit in the ground that had some type of opening down low. So they had a top that they could throw them into, and there was some way that the king and the other officials would be able to look on and see what was happening inside of this. So he most likely has some kind of balcony that he can look at. And again, seven times hotter than this furnace has ever been stoked before. And it says that he calls upon some of his strongest men, some of the king's guards, some of the best men that he has to bind these young men and to throw them in there. And then verse 22, you know, verse 21 says, so these men were wearing robes, trousers, turbans, other clothes were bound to thrown into the blazing furnace. Verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's pause right there for just a second. And let's look at this decision-making as it continues to go through this process. So the king was so furious that he does something that really doesn't make sense, but he heats the furnace seven times hotter. Then after that, he says he orders the strongest guards that he had, his personal guards most likely, and the best that he had, the one, the guards that would have been the closest to him, he orders them to throw them into the fiery furnace. And his command, the scripture says, was so urgent. His command was so rash, and the fire was so hot that it killed the men that threw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego into the fire. I think there's also a lesson that we can learn in here for us. Not only do we make bad decisions when we are um, furious and when we're mad and when we lose control of ourselves, but sometimes when we get to that place, does it or does it not actually harm those that we're closest to? I, I don't know about you guys, but for some reason, it seems like the ones that we are the closest to are the ones that we hurt the most. Like, I love my mom, I love my wife, I love my daughter, I love them more than anything in this world, but for some reason, they seem to be the ones that I can, I can hurt the deepest. And especially if we get to that place that we lose our temper, that we lose control of ourselves, that we give in to frustration, we give in to anger, then we do things that, number one, not only don't make sense, but we also do things that can harm the people around us that are closest to us. And that's what we see in Nebuchadnezzar here, that not only did he make a bad decision to stoke the fire seven times hotter, but it actually cost him the best people that he had surrounding him. 
And if you look at this, it also says that they were bound. They didn't change their clothes. They said that they were adorned in their robe, you know, their robes, their trousers, their slang, all of these things. This should give us at least a little bit of an indication as to the way that they were presenting themselves. Okay, so Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when it was a public thing, when the music played, and we saw this last week, everybody was supposed to bow down and worship the idol that the king had built on the plains of Dura. Well, they didn't do this. So the king draws them into his quarters and he gives them a chance privately to do so. And if they were in full-on rebellion, I don't think that they, I think that they were just standing under conviction. I think that they served the king well. We have, we have evidence of that throughout the first three chapters that we've read already. I don't think that they were in full-on rebellion against his authority. I think that they had just come to the place that they were no longer going to compromise their convictions. Because it says that they came into the king's presence and they were dressed respectfully. They had fine clothes on. They were presenting themselves well. They were submitting to his authority in all areas except for this one. And I think there's a lesson for us to learn here too because we've talked about, guys, we live in a form of Babylon. We live in a world that wants to change our identity. It wants to change who we are. It wants to take our belief system, and it wants us to compromise our convictions and what we believe in Jesus Christ, and it, it wants us to live the way that they want us to live instead of the way that God wants us to live. And sometimes when we're making the stand on our conviction, and I will speak for myself personally and not necessarily for you, but I don't always handle myself well. When that happens, I can be a little bit more militant and a little bit more combative and a little bit co more confrontational sometimes than what I need to be because we see that throughout this book, we see Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that they found favor with the king because they loved him and they served him and they served Babylon well, even though that was not their home. That's where they lived, but it wasn't their home. And we find ourselves in the same situation. This world is where we live. But ultimately, guys, as a believer, this is not our home. Heaven is our home. But we need to make sure that we're living well here while we're here and that we are touching and we're mentoring and we're reaching out and we're loving the world with respect, with honor, with dignity, and from a place that we are truly concerned about them. Because no matter how bad someone is to you, if they don't know Jesus Christ, the priority is not to get them to treat you better. The priority is to witness to them and to share the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ in their life. Because if they don't know Jesus, then they are lost, they're, they're living in sin, and they're on their way to hell. That's just the reality of it. And we need to lead our lives with that type of urgency to those people that are around us that do not know Jesus Christ. So verses 24 and 25, let's look at those. After they had fallen into the blazing furnace, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son, a son of the gods. Now, 
I think that Nebuchadnezzar was probably shook when this thing started. I mean, because it says that he kind of lost control of himself. And I don't think that he calmed down any whenever they threw three men into the fire. And he looked in there and he saw the fourth. Because he began to ask the question of like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. All right, who pulled the fast one here? You know, all right, who's messing with me, guys? Because didn't we, didn't I tell you guys? And I can just... I can see because he's still probably in a, like a blind rage and a fury. And I can see everybody else just kind of making it. He's like, okay, who did this? <laughs> you know, kind of doing that thing of just like, hey, it wasn't me. You know, listen, you already killed some dudes that threw these guys in there. I'm not at fault here. But then he sees this fourth person that's walking around in the fire with him. And I, I just think that we have to understand that... There is so many times in our lives that we will face things. Now, granted, we've, none of us in here have ever faced a fiery furnace. Okay? And hopefully none of us ever will have to face that. But there are times in our, in our Christian walk that we will face persecution. We will face suffering. We will have things that go against us, and we will find ourselves in places that we would rather not be. But the beautiful part about it is what I think that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego understood when they said that even if he doesn't, you know, our God's going to do this, and even if he doesn't, it's okay because we're going to be with him. I think that they had a, a grasp of something that we need to grasp too, and it's articulated in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says that I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. And guys, when God makes a promise, he means it. He doesn't just make it flippantly. He doesn't just make it in passing. He doesn't just make promises to pacify us so we'll quit talking to him or quit asking him questions. Parents, you ever done that? Have a kid? Just... Or ladies, I'm not going to be. Wives, have you ever had husbands? that you And you're just whatever. You just tell them something to pacify him. God doesn't do that. When he makes a promise, God will fulfill his promise. He will be faithful in that. And I think that at this point, there had to be, with their knowledge of the, of the Hebrew faith of the people of Israel and the history of their nation, I think that they had to be thinking of things like Elijah when he was in this state of depression and he was lying by, by the brook and he wasn't moving, he wasn't functioning at all. I think that they had to go back on that and remember where God supplied food for him by the birds of the air, that God's provision, no matter what situation that they found themselves in, God was going to be there with them. And I think in verse 26, so we've seen kind of the consequences of their stand that they made whenever they were bound and thrown into the furnace. We've kind of seen this companion that they're walking with, this fourth person. And, and, and by the way, there, you know, this fourth person, um, you know, a, a lot of people believe that this was Jesus. Some people believe it was an angel of the Lord. And really, there, no one's 100% sure. But the fact of the matter is the message that it brings across is 100% rock solid that God will not leave you, even in your worst situation, even in the worst times in your life. You may not feel him, you may not see him, you may not recognize him, but guys, I promise you that God will never forsake you, will never leave you. So now we see the blessing coming of this. We've seen the consequences, we've seen the companion, and now in verse 26, 
we begin to see the blessing that God brings about out of this situation. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Um, and, and, and I'm not trying to dredge up bad memories for anyone, but has, has anyone, well, here, I, I went out, I had a glorious Sunday afternoon last Sunday. I'm not going to lie. My mom called Saturday night, and she went, Bub, I've got a question for you. And it was a real serious tone, and I was like, okay, what's up? She's like, I need you to do something for me. I'm like, all right. She said, tomorrow after church, would you come out to the house, please, and help me with something? I put New York strips in marinade earlier this morning, and I really need somebody to grill them. <sighs> I will suffer for the gospel for this one, okay? So I'm a charcoal kind of guy. You know, I like to cook over charcoal, so I'm out there, and I'm grilling these glorious pieces of red meat there and this smoke just continues to billow over me and for the rest of the day you know what I smelled like smoke I smelled like charcoal right I, I smelled like smoke smoke is not something you get easily off of clothes actually I've still got those I've not washed those clothes yet I've still got them just hanging in a room and I'll walk by and smell them throughout the week <laughs> but it's not something that's easy to get off of your clothes but yet here we see these young men coming out there's not a hair singed. There's not anything going on with them. And their clothes don't even smell like smoke. Then, then we read verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. And they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Verse 28, I, I, what a profound effect that that had to have on Nebuchadnezzar. Because guys, I don't know, and, and none of us can escape um, the political machine that is going in America now. I mean, everywhere you turn around, you see it. But one thing that we know is that people in places of authority and power and influence, most of the time, they don't like being upstaged. They don't like it. And here's a king who has real issues with this because he just sent three young men to their death because he defied one of his commands. And now he's seeing this situation play out in front of him, and he makes this this proclamation says, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this really began to change Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we had seen before, whenever Daniel interpreted the dream, it said that he recognized Daniel's God as one of the gods. And now he's making this most high God claim. He is talking about how he, he and his angels have rescued the servant. They've trusted in him and are willing to give up their own lives rather than worship any other God except their own God. Then he goes on in verse 29 and 30. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be burnt into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, we had some really unhappy Babylonian natives whenever they began to rise up and, and God started showing favor to both, to all of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We had some really unhappy locals that these foreigners had come in and now were being elevated and were being favored by the king and there was, there was this elevation that was taking place in their lives. Can you imagine how they felt now? that we had just seen these three young men just absolutely defy all logic and defy death and defy the king. They defied the king. They went against a direct order not once, but twice. And what's happening? They're being rewarded for it. They're being promoted for it. Church, there's something to be said about remaining true to the convictions that God has placed in your heart. There's something to be said about remaining true to him in your faith in the face of even death itself. You may have to walk through some things that are absolutely terrifying. You may walk through some things that of persecutions, of sufferings that will, would absolutely terrify you to think about it, but God will reward those to those who stay faithful. Now listen, I'm not going to present this as, listen, if, if you were to be ch you know, charged with your faith, because we know that there is a history, thousands of years, of men and women who have been faithful to the call of God and not compromised their convictions and not laid down the name of Jesus, and they have lost their lives. So I'm not saying that every life and death situation that you could walk into for Jesus Christ, you're going to walk out of there smelling like a rose. But guess what? Even if we don't, even if God doesn't rescue us in the physical, we got to remember that Philippians 1.21 that we, we read last week is like, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We win either way. When our hope, just as that song said earlier, when our hope is in him and him alone, we win every way. I want to ask Emily if she would to come back up this morning. There's, this is not what we're going to be singing, but there's an old hymn that says this, When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. This morning we are going to be standing and singing here in just a few moments. And we're going to be singing a hymn called It Is Well. Many of you are familiar with it. And I'm not going to go through the whole history of, of what the circumstances around this song being written. But just think about these words as you sing this. You could have had the worst week that you've ever had in your life. But if you know Jesus Christ this morning, then you can stand and boldly proclaim that no matter what's going on around you, that it is well with my soul. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't know that peace and this turmoil is just consuming you and you don't have that hope in him, 
I would like to extend the invitation for you to come this morning. Give your heart to Jesus. Repent, be baptized, and know this hope and be able to say that it is well with my soul. 